What's up, everybody? How is it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the internet? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, kicking it with you, looking as only I can look on the Heel and Face podcast, podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And uh, let me say, we got a uh, global show today. We've got news from all over the wrestling world, not just uh, the U.S. and A, but we have a lot of great stuff going on for you, including New Japan updates. Sorry, I'm adjusting this. should probably do this before I went on the air, adjusting the camera for those of you watching me on Facebook. Uh, we've got news from New Japan. We've got some news from WWE as far as one of the Hall of Famers slash officials in WWE making an official announcement on ESPN. Of course, we also have an official announcement on uh, from MLW on a new belt that they're coming up with. And we have the winners of this year's NWA Crockett Cup. So a lot of stuff to get to today. Glad you could join me. Thank you for being here on the Heel and Face podcast again. It is me, Steve Castellanovo, Steve C here talking with you for about an hour about the lovely and beautiful and amazing world of professional wrestling. And I'm not just on Facebook, though, just to wanted to let you know that I am on all my social media. So if there's any social media out there that you want to be a part of or that you are a part of, you, you can catch me everywhere. How about that? You can catch me on Twitter. Obviously, I throw up my Twitter handle all the time. But you can also search Heel and Face Podcast on a lot of different social media platforms, including including minds, including um, locals. I also post a show on Rumble. So a lot of different places to access me. So go to your uh, whichever handles you have on whatever social media you have other than Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and join me there. Just look for Heal and Face Podcast and you'll see me. Also, I did not throw up the graphic. I did not. But I want to let you know that we are one week away from WrestleMania, if you didn't already know. And we are going to have the annual, if they're going to do it, we're going to do it too. Two, two, two big shows from the Heel and Face podcast. That's right. You're just going to join me at the same time, same bat schedule. Uh, for night one and night two of WrestleMania weekend, I will be on live uh, from somewhere talking to somebody about the showcase of the mortals, WrestleMania. I don't know exactly who's going to be on. Uh, I hope it's a lot better than it was last year when uh, I got nobody, but Hopefully, we'll have somebody on to uh, shoot the crap about WrestleMania and talk a little bit before we go and entertain, uh, get entertained by the WWE. So join me next week. Actually, this week, if you want to be technical about it, Saturday, 5 o'clock here for night one preview and then... The next day, Sunday, as I usually do it at 5 o'clock from 5 to 7, uh, a continued preview, kind of a rehash. So for those of you who are also following me on your favorite podcast streaming platform, you can get not just one, but two, two, two episodes back to back this week. So look forward to that. All right. Well, let's get into it. Why, uh, why not dance around? And just get straight to uh, some of the biggest news that came down the pike this week that was not related to WWE. And let's start with a Crockett Cup update. 
as you can see, them boys, the Briscoes, are the new NWA Crockett Cup winners for 2022. Congratulations to them. It kind of felt like this was the one seed, you know, in, in, a, in a season, if I may dally briefly into the greater sports world for just a moment, so many of the seeds in the NCAA men's tournament in basketball have gone down in flames. As a matter of fact, I don't know if there is a one seed offhand that is going to make it into the Final Four this year. Gonzaga was bounced last week. Iowa was bounced in the first week round. Uh, my buddy uh, from Iowa is not happy about that. No, my buddy is not Seth Rollins, nor is it Big E. Another famous Iowan, not happy with the turnout for the tournament. And I believe if there are any, there's only one number one seed left. So it's difficult from a sports perspective to be number one, to stay number one. And the Briscoes are just that good. And this is just another feather, chicken feather, may I say, just another chicken feather in the cap of arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Now, rumors abound, as you know, rumors swirl about them boys and what their relationship is going to be in major professional wrestling ranks as far as AEW goes and their future in Ring of Honor or the future of Ring of Honor. I don't know which preposition you want to throw in there, but either one will suffice. Now, if you take a look at what they've been doing lately, posing with... A uh, famous uh, transgender wrestler, Polo Damar, and making nice with the LGBTQ community. It looks like they are trying to put some of their old tweets that always surface behind them, which, you know, let's be honest, you'd have to dig for these tweets. These tweets didn't even surface until about five or six years ago. And the tweets themselves were from years ago. And you know how I feel about uh, shotgun journalism and gotcha journalism and just going and finding the thing that you need just to make someone look bad. That is a terrible, terrible uh, path that journalism has taken in the modern era. Be that as it may, they were offensive, off-color comments made ignorantly by a guy who I'm assuming doesn't feel that way anymore. For whatever reason, if you want to be cynical and say, oh, he's just trying to get a, keep a job. Well, yeah, I mean, the Briscoes are on borrowed time. They've been wrestling for 20 years. They're in their 40s for crying out loud. Um, you know, the only place they haven't been able to make it to is WWE. And if they do, uh, if they did, they, they wouldn't be used right anyway. So they don't have any options. They're out of options. So their only options right now are, honestly, to ride out Ring of Honor and retire. Uh, their options are to do what they're doing and just hop from Fed to Fed to either become champions or say you're champions or, or compete at a high level, a la the NWA Crockett Cup which brings the opportunity to go after the tag belts. And uh, if you don't think that NWA uh, heavyweight uh, tag team championship between them and uh, La Rebellion won't be must-see TV, then you are wrong. But be that as it may, they don't have many options. And if you're cynical and saying they're just kissing up so they can get to uh, AEW so the fans won't kill them, for their past comments, then, then it is what it is. Or if you don't want to be cynical, just say that they're just trying to make nice with people and they're just trying to uh, do the right things and, and move forward with their careers and whatever happens, happens. So maybe this is positive change. And I don't know if we're reading too much into it or not, but at least they're trying to lay the groundwork in case someone tries to cancel them before they actually get to 
AEW. As far as Ring of Honor goes, with Tony Khan at the helm now, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, it would probably behoove Tony Khan to keep the Briscoes around and possibly to strictly work with a tag team division to train or bring up a tag team division, try to bolster the tag team division in Ring of Honor and honestly in AEW because it stinks there too. So who knows what's going to happen to them boys, but they are the Crockett Cup winners. So congrats to them. But a team that isn't doing so hot right now, as a matter of fact, the biggest shock in the professional wrestling world as of this week, right? As of this week comes from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it is not good, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I don't know why. Oops, sorry. Let me get back to let me get back to me for a second here. There we go. I didn't realize we were not on me. Um, yeah, so uh, bad news from New Japan coming from the most dominant club in New Japan pun completely intended, is that Bad Luck Fale and the Bullet Club chose Jay White over Jado and the Gorillas of Destiny and jumped them and proceeded to stomp them out of Bullet Club. This is shocking because, as you know, Tama Tonga was a founding member of Bullet Club and he brought his uh, little brother in uh, to form the Gorillas of Destiny. And they were, at one point, one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant, tag team in the world. The Gorillas of Destiny completely stomped out. The Bullet Club is going with Switchblade Jay White, who is busy stateside putting things together for Bullet Club to be well-established not only in Japan, but also in the United States. So that's a pretty frightening scenario to think about. But they've chosen sides. They've clearly chosen sides. And the most heartbreaking thing, of course, is Gato and his 33-year partnership with his quote-unquote brother, Jado, uh, with one fell swoop. It was just sad to see uh, Dick Togo and the House of Torture were out there fighting the, uh, the G.O.D. when this all went down. And then Bad Luck Fale hits the ring and shenanigans happen. I believe uh, in that match, the G.O.D. Um, still ended up winning, but, uh, you know, stopped Dick Togo from interfering in the match. Then, of course, all heck breaks loose and you hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it for lots of uh, reasons. The number one reason, of course, is that one of the most consistently fan-loved tag teams, uh, Gato and Jado, respected by all, um, respected so much that both uh, were in the upper workings of New Japan itself with Gato uh, practically running, you know, headbucker and all that stuff. But to then turn on your partner all those years is just it's it's almost like throwing everything away i know you can't throw 33 years of championships you can't throw 33 years of friendship of hardships going up and down uh the king's road so to speak and yet here we are just just a complete disgusting display of the bullet club jumping the G.O.D. and Jado after all of the things that they've been through with each other. So who knows what's going to happen there uh, in New Japan or the direction of Bullet Club just got itself a little meaner. And as Bad Luck Fale said in the post-conference, he said, post-match conference, he said, no one is above Bullet Club. The Bullet Club is above everyone. Heartbreaking and distressing, but 
It is what it is. I keep saying that a lot. That's probably the theme of today's show. It is what it is. And uh, hopefully um, the gorillas of Destiny can get their revenge somehow uh, against Bad Luck Fale. Who knows? Now, there was a rumor, or I don't know if it was a rumor or not, but it was reported that, uh, of all people, uh, Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan, came in to save the G.O.D. at a uh, house show. And unlike WWE, New Japan is very upfront about what happens at their house shows. So uh, who knows? Maybe there's another faction that's going to be forming. We will find out. Time will tell. All right. There's no good segue to the next thing, honestly. (laughs) I know I've been pretty good at segues so far uh, doing this, and I think I'm pretty clever anyway, but uh, there is no real good segue because this is just straight up pretty fun, really open and honest interview. This was an interview uh, that I really kind of didn't expect it to be this good. So let's just get right to it, shall we? The best heel in professional wrestling right now. There's no argument. I know Roman Reigns has an incredible run, but and you're really feeling Roman Reigns. But this guy is on top of the world. A rare shot of him smiling in a genuine way. As MJF was a guest on uh, Ariel Helwani's show, the Ariel Helwani show where he basically said all of the right things, the things that you want to hear. He loved Roddy Piper to death. Uh, He talked about how guys like Buddy Landell and Piper and Steamboat and all those guys and Ric Flair, and they walked in the ring. They said what they said. They did what they did. You believed 110% of it. I threw in the 110%. He didn't say 110%. Uh, That would be mid to say 110%. Anyway, uh, he actually praises Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, and it sounded kind of genuine to me. So what do I know? I'm just a guy talking about wrestling from my basement. But we could go a couple of different ways with this. Uh, What I posted in one of the groups, I basically said, MJF is going to heal heel's going to heal. MJF's going to be MJF. Is this all the work? Is this genuine love for WWE, even though not working there right now, uh, all just to drive up the bidding war, which he's been talking about and he was very open and vocal about. So I strongly encourage you to listen to this. Listen to his interview after this podcast, and then you'll be amazed. MJF talked about that very thing, about how he is making no bones about wanting to become the highest paid professional wrestler ever, if not in this country. He knows there's a bidding war. He knows that WWE is extremely interested in him. And uh, he said in the interview, whatever the top guys in this business are making, I want to make more money than them. Love his ambition, love his drive, love his determination uh, as far as that goes. So here's the thing. Where are we at with his character? Is he is he living the gimmick or is he not? And, of course, with the wrestlers that he mentioned, Piper, Landell, Flair, they, who, they were who they were. There was no bull about them. There was no phoniness about them. You couldn't really even sniff it out. And what they did, according to MJF, is 100% real. So that's why what MJF does in the ring is 100% real. Uh, Hawani pushed him on the question about the uh, promo uh, where uh, MJF had to endure racial epithets. And then when uh, CM Punk came over and asked him, is it true? He said, yeah, it's all true. And we talked about that on previous shows, how brilliant it is. And if it is true, uh, that's why it's genuine. And he's doubling down. He was very clear on this podcast that that was, in fact, real. And he did 
experience anti-Semitism even on Long Island, which I know nothing about the boroughs. I know nothing about Long Island. I know nothing about New York. I just assumed that at this point in New York, uh, people knew that Jewish people existed and lived with them and didn't really make a big deal about it. But apparently even, even on Long Island, uh, there were uh, a few anti-Semites. So MJF is legit. He is real. Everything he does, or is he? Hmm. So you can obviously go along with it if he is truly who he is. If he's genuine and all these things that he's saying is true, uh, then okay, then he's a fan of pro wrestling. That's what came over and across to me while listening and watching along with this podcast. But what if he's still healing? What if he's not being genuine? I mean, the, you could interpret his effusive love for Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon and WWE may actually stem from the fact that he's just trolling the AEW audience, which he did a couple of times, especially when talking about the bidding war and how much money he feels like he's going to make. So I kind of think maybe he is trolling the audience a bit. Maybe he is trying to stir up the AEW fans just a little bit. Maybe he is trying to goose Tony Khan one way or another in paying him. I mean, who knows? I feel like he is just a cat unto himself. He was born in the wrong time. He can't stand the flippy doos. He can't stand the senseless spot fests. He is very critical of his uh, colleagues and teammates over there at AEW. He hasn't really said anything, I don't think, uh, to them specifically. Uh, but he at least opened up to Ariel Hawani about it. So uh, I'm just giving you highlights. I just think a lot of the stuff that he's doing is uh, completely hilarious. I think that it's totally on point. And whether he's real or kayfabe, it doesn't matter because even if – he is real, then he's killing it. And if it's kayfabe and he's bringing it back and he's killing it. So whatever it is, he's a masterful man at, um, at, at being who he is, what the essence of professional wrestling should be. So, uh, I just become a fan of his more and more every day and kind of feel like that he is being squandered where he is, but hopefully they will be writing some more interesting stuff for him, uh, even though I think the CM Punk angle could last it a little longer. But, you know, Tony Khan, Booker of the Year, has that formula of one, two, three, out, one, two, three, out. Uh, there's, there's no consistency. There's no long-term booking. Would have been nice to see CM Punk versus MJF for a couple more times. Uh, as an actual program, possibly even through the summer. But again, what do I know? I'm just a guy talking about professional wrestling from my basement. So it is what it is. But do not fret and do not worry because I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to take a very short, short break. And when I come back, I'll have some random thoughts about NXT very quickly. Uh, we'll talk about uh, MLW's featherweight division uh, briefly and the new belt that is coming. Uh, and we will also uh, give a shout out to a WWE Hall of Famer and official who uh, had to call it quits due to health concerns. At least... In the ring, anyway. You're watching the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And I will in a few. Hey, everybody, I'm back. I just got to take it out of mute. It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C. Steve Castlenovo here with you. Thanks for joining me and watching the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And boy, you know what? That's such a fun partnership to be part of Heel Turn Wrestling. 
to be part of the ma- the memes, to be part of the breaking news, to be part of all the other cool stuff. Uh, we're international. We've got a ton of international fans. And thank you to the international fans who are tuning in to not just my podcast, but to the boys who are doing big things over at To The Turnbuckle plus uh, the man himself, Billy Alexander, the franchise takes five and all the incredible stuff he does. He's got to be the hard work, hardest working man in Illinois. And I'm not going to stooge off where he lives. So I just know it's Illinois and Illinois is a relatively big state, but he's the hardest worker in it. So that should amount for something. And just stick with us, of course, uh, you know, shout out to uh, the dank meme department. We've got Mr. Khalid. We've got uh, Leo. We've got all these great people just uh, contributing to heel turn wrestling. And we dig it. Can you dig it? We can dig it. Can y'all dig it? We can dig it. So shout out to everybody. And just go to our Facebook page. It's HT Wrestling 316 on Facebook. That's at HT Wrestling 316. HT Wrestling 316. But don't just go to our sites. Don't just go to our personal podcast pages. Oh, no, 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 no. If you want to be with it and hip like all of the kids are doing these days while listening to their rock and roll music, then I strongly encourage you to go to Heel Turn Wrestling's store on ProWrestlingTees.com. That's right. If you go to ProWrestlingTees.com, you can be a part of Heel Turn Wrestling with all of us. You can uh, get a hold of the Franchise Take 5 podcast t-shirt. You could get a hold of Heel Turn Wrestling's t-shirt, which I have on and it is pretty slick looking. You can grab Alcoholic Adam's t-shirt. And of course, if you want to be the super flyest, the dopest, the drippiest professional wrestling fan ever... You can buy the Heel and Face Podcast t-shirt. So all of those shirts are available for you at ProWrestlingTees.com. That's right. All you need to do is just go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Heel Turn Wrestling. And you'll be glad you did. Now, something I'm glad about. Something that's finally happening that I'm just ecstatic about, over the moon about, is that MLW has announced that they are going to develop or give more of a backbone to their featherweight division. Uh, For those of you who don't know, MLW does not name their divisions like heavyweight and uh, whatnot. Uh, you know, like the WWE says intercontinental, blah, blah, blah. Uh, MLW tries to engender that fighting spirit and they want to mirror sports uh, more than the entertainment side of professional wrestling. So they have the light heavy or they have the middleweight belt which is for the young guys that you would consider quote-unquote junior heavyweights, cruiserweights, whatever. They have the open weight, which means anybody can fight for the belt, currently held by Alex King. And they have the heavyweight belt, which is currently held by Alexander Hammerstone. But for the women, they just don't have a belt yet. Well, they have announced that they will be sponsoring a tournament for the new featherweight division. That's right. They announced that they're going to have a tournament to determine who is going to be the first MLW featherweight champion. That's just their way. Again, it's their way of including women which is fine, which is great, which is which is needed. They do have some talent. They have the uh, C-Stars. They have a uh, local here to Ohio favorite, Zoe Sky. Uh, they have Willow Nightingale. Uh, they have a decent amount of wrestling. Who knows? 
you know, Alicia Toot is trained, even though I'm probably well into the angle with uh, the backstabber, if you will, Richard Holiday. But they do have a burgeoning women's division. And they will have a belt. They said the belt is currently being made, and it probably will be revealed very soon here, if not at the Dallas taping as part of WrestleMania weekend. So congratulations for them. Uh, I don't know if they have seeded the tournament per se, but they are having one, and they're pretty much going to put everybody who has been on the roster that they've had as far as female wrestlers, I think Holly dead is in the tournament as well. So that should be very interesting to see and good luck for them. You know, again, more places for more people to get more belts is all good with me. I'm really, I'm really uh, excited about the prospect of them finally getting their shot at, uh, at a belt. So long overdue for MLW. Let's just hope that, Everything works out for them. All right. Well, I did not watch NXT in its entirety this week. I just caught bits and pieces. So I did uh, catch a little bit of the Pat McAbee, you can't touch Austin Theory thing. I caught a little bit of Raw. Um, the, uh, all I know is NXT, just some okay things happened. Uh, Kaylee Ray, uh, went right past the NXT champions, toxic attraction, uh, JC Jane and, uh, shoot. What's her name now? Gigi Allen. That's right. Gigi Dolan. And, uh, she went right after, uh, Mandy Rose and she wants her shot at the NXT women's title. So there's that. I saw the Creed brothers were in the ring, greening it up. The Creed brothers did defeat grizzled young veterans. And that is one of the things that makes me mad. Again, the grizzled young veterans not getting the respect they deserve. In a perfect world, they would have been NXT Tag Champions already. And here they are getting fed to the Creed brothers who really can't, uh, I don't know. It's really not that exciting. There was a something that flashed on the screen and they flashed back to uh, the Diamond Mine locker room because this team has been harassing them for months now, weeks now. And uh, there's a Roderick Strong who's laid out in the corner. Uh, possibly they showed him old matches of his, and that's why he was unconscious in the corner of the, of the locker room. Uh, these two hooded figures also ripped down the Diamond Mine sign, and they basically said, you can't control us, we control you, Creed Brothers. You know, you're in our hands now. So, okay, all right. Um, uh, possible heel stuff. Who actually knows who, who that is underneath those hoods? They'll do the big reveal at some point. Electra Lopez beat Fallon Henley, who we talked about last week with the tryout. Braun Breaker beat Robert Roode and showed the world exactly how you're supposed to do an over-the-head belly-to-belly suplex. I hope Ridge Holland was paying attention. He's probably too busy uh, losing to Xavier Woods, which happened this week. Um, I like me some A-Kid. Who doesn't? Grayson Waller ended up beating him, though. And um, then Grayson Waller uh, won a spot at the North American belt in a ladder match stand to deliver because, you know, why let something go? Um you know, and let it, a good thing uh, die, you know. Let's just keep it going, right? So we're just going to basically make the North American title like the Intercontinental title, and we're just going to have all a bunch of gimmick matches, like five-man scrambles with ladders and stuff, just like they do the Intercontinental belt. It's, it drives me nuts. I did not catch 
Gunther versus Duke Hudson. I just assume that uh, Duke Hudson's still all right. We haven't seen him in the obituaries yet. Um, he got the bejesus beat out of him. And on WWE's uh, Instagram, I think there's a picture of him with his chest chopped in a majillion uh, places. So that's what happens when you have to face Gunther. Um, so it looks like uh, LA Knight and Gunther are going to be going at each other again uh, at uh, Stand and Deliver. Uh, good luck with that, L.A. Knight. You know, see if you come out of that on top. Um, you know, NXT just exists. Like, NXT is just there. It's not great. It's completely bastardized. It's a shell of itself. Hopefully, they're finding some footing with some of these feuds. Um... I'm upset that Grizzled Young Veterans is kind of getting talent enhancer status. I'm kind of upset that Kushida is being relegated to talent enhancer status, especially at NXT 2.0 when uh, where they lost recently. So there's no incentive for me to really like NXT anymore, yet here we are and here I am. So it's depressing, but I soldier on. And the reason why it's depressing is because you know how hard the people behind the scenes have worked to make it good. Jeremy Borash, Sanjay Dutt, um, Shawn Michaels, for crying out loud, uh, Matt Bloom, uh, the de recently departed William Regal. So all of these main major players, I don't even think Canyon Seaman is in the WWE anymore. All these major players coming together to put together a fantastic product that ultimately drew first the eye roll of Vince McMahon, then when it started becoming popular, the peak of Vince McMahon, P-I-Q-U-E, peak of Vince McMahon. Then he became aware when he started seeing the ratings. Then he became jealous so how do I kill something that someone else made? I either A, infect it with others, or B, buy it outright. And since he already owned NXT, Vince McMahon couldn't buy NXT outright. So he did the other thing, which is fire everybody and send Bruce Pritchard down. So Bruce Pritchard, Jeremy Borash, and Shawn Michaels are uh, very much like the uh, triumvirate rulers of ancient Rome, uh, not really seeing eye to eye with each other on how things should work, but also functionally getting along to at least put content out into the world in an age where we are all content starved. But the progenitor, the creator, the all father, the man who put this all together, the man who did such a good job at his work that his reward was demotion and heart attack, has now announced that he will be stepping down from an active role as... An in-ring competitor. That's right. Triple H just announced. Actually, he went on ESPN, and he was in a uh, in a conversation with Stephen A. Smith about his future and whatnot. And he officially announced that he is retiring from in-ring competition. Uh, so what does that mean exactly? You know, it could mean a multitude of things. One is that, quite frankly, his health isn't where he needs it to be, especially with the open heart surgery. There's no, uh, there's no reason. With with all of the 
injuries that he's sustained, especially to his knees and elbows, and shoulders, uh, to um, now this open heart surgery is physically restraining him, all the neck issues that he's had. He shouldn't be competing anyway. He shouldn't be. I mean, the dude shouldn't even be working out, but he's he's still doing that at least. Uh, he cannot any longer be physical in the ring as per doctor's orders, so he officially retired. Now, of course, he's going to be around. Of course, he's going to be Papa H shaking hands and doing the side finger point at the new signees. Yes, he'll be doing that. At least I hope, because the other rumor about Triple H was that he uh, was, again, doing such a good job at his work that he was uh, promoted by being demoted. Uh, yeah, there was like, after the heart surgery, you did not hear a peep out of Triple H. He didn't even tweet for crying out loud. He did, his final tweet, I think, was maybe, uh, other than surgery went well, I think his last tweet was, two or three days before he actually went into the surgery. So Triple H, um, best wishes to you. I, I really feel like Vince owes him now. Uh, maybe Vince is using this as, well, hey, pal, you know, I need you around for my grandkids, pal. Uh, you know, probably has gotten into his head and does what Jim Cornette talks about and when uh, Vince talks to you and he wants you to see his point of view and you have an oppositely diametrically opposed point of view than Vince does, if you go in there knowing that you're going to say no to Vince in about five minutes, you come out saying yeah to Vince because how Vince can take your ideas or none, none of your ideas and spin them around and make them make sense to you is uncanny. And it's exactly what he probably did to Triple H to convince him to step down from being the head of NXT, which is a gosh darn shame. Again, you can we can all speculate that it was jealousy or whatever. Uh, he was not very uh, open about it on the Pat McAfee show. He wasn't very uh, very clear about why uh, he is now down there with a major role to play in putting NXT together. But we know that you can't have a good thing for Vince. If Vince finds something good that you're doing, he's going to try to make it his own. And uh, it's out of, in a lot of ways, sheer jealousy. We all know this. This is not something that uh, is foreign to us. And it's just sad that it just happened this way. So, Shout out to Triple H. Shout out to him and his illustrious career. Um, I know I'm not talking about him like he's passed away because he hasn't passed away, but I think he's got a lot on his plate right now. And I don't know if being in the WWE uh, per se is, uh, you know, is, is helping him any, especially working with Vince McMahon, definitely not helping him any. Uh, but uh, the one thing I will know is you cannot take away his career. Uh, so what we're going to do is we are going to give Triple H his flowers now, as they say, and we are going to go ahead and make him the superstar of the week. So shout out to Triple H and his accomplishments in the ring, in the world of professional wrestling. While his in-ring ability is gone, uh, he can still be a force backstage. He can still be a force in corporate. He can still be a force in the CEO world. I just hope he gets better. I hope he hasn't really turned it in. I hope he does get better, and I do, I do hope that he does regain an active role running the WWE. So let's take a moment then and go over Triple H's accomplishments. And then we can talk about his impact on the business, non-GM uh, related, so to speak. Uh, just to review his vast career, uh, ranked number one in the PWI 500 twice in 2000, 2009. He was declared Wrestler of the Decade by the Baltimore Sun. 
So that's a big deal, right? Um, I would assume uh, he won Wrestler of the Year in 2008 from PWI as well. A wrestler of the decade for sure. He he really did own that decade. And while it's disappointing and upsetting that they kind of leaned into a somewhat racist angle with Booker T. And a lot of us do feel like Booker T should have been the WWE World Heavyweight Champion at least once in his career. And that was the time to do it. And yet they didn't pull the trigger. So we can talk about Triple H's legacy in a minute. Just want to continue to definitely bring that up. Uh, but uh, we'll run down his accolades. And as you would expect, for the most part, it's all WWE. There really aren't any accolades from outside. He has a um, he he does have a belt from the International Wrestling Federation. I don't even know if that's even still around anymore. But he has, uh, of course, become champion, WWE champion nine times, world heavyweight champion, big gold belt five times, uh, five-time intercontinental champ. So he's in the five-time club there, uh, two-time European champ. He unified the tag belts with Shawn Michaels, if you remember that. Uh, he held the uh, tag championships before with Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels separately. Um, winner of the King of the Ring in 97. That was, of course, the famous, um, I believe that was the famous Austin one. Uh, and then won the Royal Rumble twice. So, you know, he's got a lot of uh, accolades, mostly from WWF, but still a lot of accolades. Um, loved and respected. He got a nice tweet from the NWA, which is uh, kind of a nice homage to him because he's always been in love with the NWA. He's made no bones about being in love with the W uh, the NWA. I think he would have been a great champion in NWA, and it would have been nice to honor his heroes, Harley Race, Killer Kowalski, et cetera, et cetera, by winning th that belt. But never, never needed to because he never stepped outside of WWE. Now, as far as his legacy goes, if you want to discuss that a little bit, we definitely can. Uh, the legacy is very, very cloudy. It's not, it's, it's not straight one way. Um, there is a lot of controversy surrounding Triple H. For a guy who really doesn't, by all means or by any means, really doesn't, play the political role per se he found himself in multiple situations where politics may or may not have come into play in his career so after very short stints as terrorizing all over the independence in the north including the iwf including wcw where he almost signed as a matter of fact he came out as one of the blue bloods uh, I think because and, and he was Paul Levesque, the Blue Blood. He made uh, he made a wise move to um, see where the writing was on the wall as far as his character in WCW and chose to translate that over to WWE, where uh, he became Hunter Hearst Helmsley, a play on uh, William Randolph Hearst and Leona Helmsley. And I don't know who Hunter is in reference to, but I'm sure it's some somewhat infamous billionaire from the 20s that Vince knows about, no one else knows about. And, you know, he became the, uh, the elite aristocrat from Greenwich Village. Kind of a, I don't want to say mid-card guy, but, you know, kind of a guy who wasn't really differentiating himself, although he had a unique character and was willing to do anything, uh, became great friends with uh, Godwin, especially doing the slot match that you re may remember. He became really good friends with Henry O. Godwin. After that, I think they still t even talk to today, so that's really, uh, that's really nice that that friendship continued. Um, kind of languished for years until he finally hit his stride, becoming part of DX. 
So part of the knock on him is that for a while he was standing next to the guy who was the guy who was drawing the money, which is a legit criticism because he ended up using that, uh, being called a B-plus player before and being the guy standing next to the guy in his motivation against Daniel Bryan. But I jump ahead. From there on, as soon as he shed the Hunter Hearst Helmsley uh, persona, or as he was shedding it, his best friends were leaving the company to make more money in WCW. So he had to eat all the crap from the infamous click incident where the heels and the baby faces all came in the ring and did the two sweet, sweet. And of course, Shawn Michaels wasn't going to catch any help from Vince. And since Scott and Kevin were already on their way out of the company, Triple H had to eat it. And it's one of those times in your career that you have to eat a warm steaming pile of feces in order to get along to get along. Triple H did recover eventually, hooked up with DX. And then, of course, the politics start coming into play. You know, I'm Shawn Michaels' friend. And now I got a little bit of stroke because I feel like I got a chip on my shoulder because I had to eat a bunch of crap for guys that aren't even here anymore. So then they come up with Degeneration X, one of the most fun factions in WWE history. Yes, I'm now going into full childhood mode. Uh, not really childhood, but more like collegehood mode. That's when I really um, was watching Raw on a on a weekly basis. So you go through that and you continue to kind of work your way backstage. Um, you had a relationship with a wrestler, but then you started making goo goo eyes at the boss's daughter. You end up becoming married to the boss's daughter. So there's another like political maneuver. Some people would say, or some people have said, um, I don't know if I 100% believe that, but there is a pattern of Triple H manipulating himself a little bit backstage. Uh, of course, we have things like the burial shovel, as we know, Triple H and his burial shovel. Uh, you know, once a guy uh, is not is no longer wanted or needed around the WWE, uh, Triple H buries him politically and then they're done. Speaking of the burial shuffle, uh, Triple H also invented the push kill, which is basically you fighting him and then him putting a sleeper on you. Once you had a sleeper on you from behind by Triple H, you were automatically done. Like your your run, your your program, it was over. Um, he put the push kill on Jeff Jarrett to get him out of WWE by 97, 98. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, you know, suffered the push kill. Um, sleeper from behind. So uh, the the political maneuvering, some would say that's a little problematic. Uh, the other parts that, that come along with that are that Triple H found himself in some very strange and upsetting uh, bits on Raw that would never be done today. Okay, uh, The Katie Vick incident. Uh, you know, laughing at Kane, you know, and simulating having sex with uh, Katie Vick's body. Uh, you know, the, again, the quasi-racist Triple H intimating that Booker T isn't the type of person that WWE wants to put their belt around and I am wink and a nod. So, that's the kind of other stuff that 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 sours people on Triple H. Now, okay, let's just call uh, call it what it is. Booker T has stated publicly that that's not what it was, and it, that's not what he was about. And I love when people question whether or not Booker T knows something is racist or not, because the last time they did, they felt really stupid and and uh, and. Uh, uh, Booker T challenged anybody who uh, thought uh, differently to come down and talk to him about what's racist and what isn't racist in professional wrestling and in WWE. And I don't know if I would want to challenge uh, Booker T on anything. 
So we get to latter stage Triple H, right? Papa H, okay? So as Papa H is transitioning out of full-time professional wrestling, he's transitioning into a role in backstage. Was he using that role to make amends for all of the political maneuvering he may or may not have done while he was uh, an active wrestler? Who knows? Maybe he sees the direction of where things are going and doesn't like it and wants it to be more athlete-friendly, kind of like the old NWA, kind of like uh, wrestling how it used to be before it was bought up by Vince McMahon himself. So Triple H being emotionally invested in the future of WWE, being emotionally invested into the talent, the wrestlers in the WWE, you know, made for a very, very... Uh, you know, likable kind of guy. And every generation uh, of fan who likes Triple H or whatever, you know, you can put him in different eras. You can put him in the Hunter Hearst Elmsley era. You can put him in the Attitude era and in uh, all the stuff I just talked about. And then most people nowadays are putting Triple H in the Papa H era. The guy who tries really hard to put a good wrestling product out. A guy who's very sensitive to uh, the needs of all of his wrestlers and won't tolerate uh, any indecency, won't tolerate hatred among anybody, and uh, was willing to get rid of anybody who would cause disharmony among the wrestlers. So, you know, you've got that Triple H that we've got. But you put that all in a big pot of... New England clam chowder, shout out to him being from uh, New Hampshire. And you just roll it, just stir it all together, and you soup it up, and you're like, mm mm, good Triple H. So, all in all, Triple H, if you look at his whole breadth, I don't want to kill him so much for a lot of the political maneuvering he may or may not have done in backstage. The only thing I, I want really is how is he making things better? And what was he? Was he the guy who stood next to the guy who made a lot of money? Yes. Uh, what, has Triple H made a lot of money in professional wrestling? Yes. Uh, would you say he is a superstar? Mm, that's up for debate. And I'm not just talking about how Vince talks about he labels all of his wrestlers superstars. I'm talking about if you... The general wrestling fan does not put Triple H in the category of The Rock, Shawn Michaels, uh... Steve Austin, or even Mick Foley for that matter. Um, although Triple H is a tear down from the, the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, especially during the 90s, during the Attitude Era, he certainly isn't Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Like, like he's not Ludwig Borga. Like, Triple H is probably, if you were to look at this, uh, and shout out to any international fans that I have, but if you look at this kind of like relegation league, if you could see Series A, Series A is Austin, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, throw in one or two, and they are Series A. Series B, you've got Triple H, and you've got other guys. Randy Orton, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Randy Orton's elevated himself. Maybe he's regulated himself back up to Series A. Who knows? All I know is, is that as far as his in-ring work, as far as everything goes, as far as his talent is concerned, Triple H is an immense talent in professional wrestling. He wasn't in the upper echelon, but he was right there. So congratulations to Triple H. And despite the fact that he had to uh, take time out of his, uh, his life early, he had to end his in-ring performance early. He is at least the king of kings and will remain a vital part of WWE. So if there's any hope to be brought from this, it's the fact that hopefully at least Triple H will be well enough to assume a lot of his duties and eventually set himself up to take over the company. Or at least be he and Stephanie be the presiding partners and the CEOs when Peacock and Comcast and NBC Universal finally actually buy the WWE from Vince on his deathbed. Who knows? All I know is I'm out of time.
And I really want to thank you guys for joining me on today's show, The Heal and Face Podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. And just a quick programming note again, I'm going to be live two days in a row, Saturday and Sunday, same time from 5 to about 7-ish. I'm going to really cut it off hard at 7 so then I can enjoy WrestleMania just like the rest of you guys. So I can enjoy the pre-show just like the rest of you guys. And I'm efforting very hard to try to get someone to come on and talk wrestling with me. Uh, if not day one, at least day two. So hopefully there will be a surprise in store for everybody when we discuss the showcase of the mortals, the granddaddy of them all, the biggest sports entertainment event ever in the history of mankind, WrestleMania. Thanks for joining me this week on the Heel of Face podcast. This is your boy, Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, signing off for this week. So have a great week. Have a great WrestleMania week. And as always, peace.